Hub Arkish. Hub Arkush. Hub Arkish is an idiot, blah, blah, blah. Made a huge living talking football. He's constantly wrong. Anyone can do postgame. Well, thanks. You know, Hub, I think you hit a great point there. Hub Arkish. Good for you, and you know, I'm sure that's something you're proud of. Hub Arkish doesn't get any better than this. Hello. Hub Arkish, 670 to score, senior football expert. Good evening, Chicago, and welcome into the program. I am Hub Arkish, going to be with you for the next two hours as we continue the Bears talk coming out of Bears All Access. We are uh, going to have some great guests alongside Patrick Finley, the Chicago Bears beat reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times, going to join me in about 15 minutes. In the second hour, Greg Gabriel will be here. Nobody is more veteran of front office changes and coaches hires uh, than Greg Gabriel around the NFL and here in Chicago. We're also going to replay an interview for you. Uh, Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel, I believe earlier this afternoon, had Rod Marinelli, a longtime NFL coach, uh, former head coach, defensive coordinator, Bears defensive line coach under Love. Smith stopped by and visited with them. He knows Matt Eberflus, Eberflus, I want to get that right. Uh, uh, He knows Matt well uh, from uh, basically mentoring him somewhat with their time together in Dallas. And so thought that uh, if you missed it this afternoon, that would be interesting for you to hear too. We'll do that in the second hour as well. And right now we've got the phone lines open, 312-644-6767. I am anxious to hear what you all think about this hire, what questions you may have, what you think the next step may be. So uh, dial me up again, 312-644-6767 is the phone number. And I also have the text line ready to go. The text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai Valgonquin. Save time shop online at rosenhyundai.com. So if you'd prefer not to call but want to visit, you can shoot me a text and we'll see if we can respond to you uh, in that vein as well. And uh, I'll tell you off the top, I'll wait to hear from some of you again, dial me up 312-644-6767. I am interested in the hire. I'm intrigued by it and and I'm encouraged by it. Uh, I I wrote uh, early in the process about 10 days ago. You can go to shawlocal.com and see some of this. Um, uh, My top three choices for the Bears uh, head coaching job were Todd Bowles, Brian Dable, and Matt Eberflus, and, and uh, I'll be honest, you know, Todd Bowles was my first choice. He and Eberflus are, are really pretty much the same candidate when you look at their their assets and their liabilities, the exception being that, that of course, Todd Bowles has previous head coaching experience. Um, so when you look at Dable and Eberflus, it, it's kind of, you know, you, you want a guy who made his bones on the offensive side or the defensive side. The one thing I will say um, about Eberflus over Dayball is he has been more consistently successful in all of his coaching stops than Dayball was. Dayball's done a great job with Josh Allen and the Buffalo offense these last couple of years, but this is his fourth offensive coordinator job, and the first three didn't go all that well. Um, Eberflus has climbed the ladder steadily. He's been successful in pretty much everything he's done, uh, working primarily with linebackers earlier in his career as a position coach. And uh, as I said, uh, tutoring under Rod Marinelli in Dallas and, and then uh, took over as the Colts uh, defensive coordinator in 2018 and has really done a great job with those defenses over the last four years. Um, he is an interesting counterbalance to, to Ryan Poles, the new general manager. Poles at 36, one of the youngest top football executives in the NFL. He may be the youngest. I haven't really studied that yet to see. 
Uh, of course, we remember Ryan Pace was when he joined the Bears seven years ago. That's neither good nor bad. There, there doesn't need to be any comparisons this early in the game. We haven't even met Ryan Poles yet. Um, but now in Eberflus, you've got a middle-aged coach. He's 51. He's, he's been coaching for 29 years. Um, he has earned this chance with, with all the right stops, all the right resume pieces, and he's highly respected and well thought of. And I think the most impressive thing about these two hires is that there's nine openings around the league for head coaches now with Sean Payton uh, gone. There's been eight for a while. Uh, there were four GM openings. Looks like there could be a fifth change, although it never really opened up. If, in fact, Adrian Wilson is in and Trent Baalke is out in Jacksonville, that was a rumor reported a few hours ago. Don't know if that has been or will be confirmed. On every one of the search lists, you found Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. And, and in fact, Ryan Poles was a finalist for all three of the jobs that have filled so far. And in case of Eberflus, we know that there were several other teams uh, that were anxious to get him either for a first or second interview, uh, which was waiting while he was committed to coming back for a second interview with the Bears. So um, by getting off the schneid first, there's going to be some debate as to whether Nathaniel Hackett in Denver or Eberflus here was first. They were both tweeted this morning when they were actually finalized and signed. Who knows, but what's the difference? The point is uh, they were the first two. They came at the same time. And clearly uh, George Payton in Denver and George McCaskey here in Chicago got their guys. And, and that's what I like about this process. They've also given uh, their head coaches, um, uh, Eberflus and Hackett, a nice head start on everybody else in assembling their staffs. And so um, the fact that uh, the George McCaskey and company were as thorough and diligent as they were with the number of candidates that they interviewed, that once they'd made up their mind, they got their guys in and done quickly, and they now are already at work while everybody else is still looking, uh, and that they were clearly two of the best candidates on the market, you have to feel good about that. Now, are they going to succeed? I don't know. Every, everybody was wildly excited um, when Ryan Pace was hired, when Matt Nagy was hired. That's the nature of these situations. But um, they've got the best prospects. They got them done quickly. Uh, they clearly are thrilled to be here. And so in that regard, I think the search process already checks off the boxes and is a success. So let's get to the phones. Ross is out in Peoria. Ross is up first. How you doing tonight, Ross? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank um, you. My question is, my question is, what's a realistic time frame that we should be willing to wait for these guys to rebuild the Bears? We don't have a very good draft coming up. I don't know how the year after looks. You're going to have to do most rebuilding through free agency. So, what's fair to ask of them? Can we say in two years we want to at least be comp- competing for that division championship? Because I think we need wide receivers, tackles. Um, you know, seems like we just got a lot of holes they have to fill with not a lot of ways to do it. Well, Ross, uh, you know, I, I think that the first question that we need to get answered is, are they planning on rebuilding? Because I think there's a scenario where they don't have to do that. You know, there there certainly are some spots that they have to fill, but there are also some spots on this team where they're very good. And so we're anxious to, to get our first sit down uh, more with Ryan Poles, I guess, than Matt Eberflus, although I'm sure they'll be on the same page and find out, do they in fact intend to rebuild? Because rebuild suggests that you're going to start dealing off your quality, you know, like Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, um, maybe even an Eddie Jackson. Um, uh, you know, Roquan Smith is going to be a free agent after this year. Bilal Nichols and James Daniels are already free agents. Do you not re-sign those guys? That's a rebuild, and I don't think that's the direction they're going in, nor should they. 
the flip side of it is that they've got 40 million in cap space. There's a few moves they could make that could easily clear another 10. And those are vague numbers yet. We're still waiting for the final projections. Um, and you're right. They need to get better at tackles, but they've got two rookie tackles that we really haven't seen yet that are highly thought of. So we don't know how great the need is. I'm not saying they don't have a need. They do. But they may have answers here in Larry Borman, and Tevin Jenkins. I don't know what Ryan Poles thinks of those players. They're clearly set at running back. They, they've got a starting tight end. They need some depth. And they're committed to, to, to Justin Fields no matter what they do. So you're really talking about adding a couple wide receivers, um, you know, some some depth at tight end. And then I don't know, you know, what they're going to do at tackle. Maybe one more quality tackle in free agency. You go over on the defensive side, depending on what you do with free agents like Akeem Hicks and Bilal Nichols, uh, um, you know, I don't know. But you're certainly set right now with Khalil Mack and, and, and Robert Quinn and, Ro, you know, Roquan Smith and, and, and Jalen Johnson and, and Jackson, who really did play much better this year. So I don't think you're looking at a rebuild. I think they're going to tell us that they hope to be competitive this year. You, you know, and, and that those guys are middle-aged but not so old that with more draft capital and, and another round of free agency in, in 2023, you know, maybe they're ready to, to make a run that quickly. I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying that it's a possibility, and we've got to see which way they go. So anxious to hear more from them, Ross. As far as the draft, they've got five picks this year. They've got a two, a three, two fives, and a six. They still have all their picks in 2023, and and we don't know whether they're going to add or subtract to those picks. So let's get to Kyle out on the south side and see what's on Kyle's mind. Kyle, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I hope this question makes sense. Um, but I'm curious as to um, if there's any benefit um, from taking somebody um, from one phase of the football or the other um, and if that can affect you positively or negatively, with a coach being, you know, a previous defensive coordinator or somebody's, you know, a special teams coach becoming a head coach, um, can anybody from those different phases benefit you one way or the other? And um, can it be negative? You know, if, if somebody's a defensive coordinator, do you know, can they drop the offensive plays and be that type of somebody who we need on that side of the ball as well? And so I'm, I'm a little confused, right? I think it makes sense, but Kyle, but what you're saying is, is it possible that you could find a good offensive coordinator by taking a guy who's had experience coaching on defense? Yeah, that's that's okay. kind of like what I'm looking. Yeah, that's kind of like well, what the question is. You know, if if I worded could word that differently. Yeah, I mean, no, I hear you. And the answer is maybe, but but it's probably not the best way to go. It certainly is out of the box. You don't see much of that happening. Um, you know, the guys that are capable of overseeing both sides of the ball are pretty much head coaches. Uh, at this point, you're looking for some real offensive expertise to bring this offense into the 21st century and to develop Justin Fields. And, and, and I don't think a defensive coach is going to give you the best shot at that. Um, turning it around, Eberflus is a defensive guru of sorts. So, um, you know, I doubt that he would go that route. So I guess the answer to your question is, you know, there are coaches out there who have coached on both sides of the ball, but it's not common and, and probably not the way to give yourself the best chance. Uh, but thank you for the phone call. Let's get one more in before we have to break. David is out in Peru, Illinois. Dave, how you doing tonight? Good. I miss hearing your son on your broadcast. Could you tell him to get his butt in there so we can hear him too? <laughs> well, I got to tell the boss here at the station because I know he likes doing it. He's on occasionally and I, and I will bring him back. I, I don't like doing it when I'm hosting because it, it feels very nepotistic, but um, uh, he actually never... is very good on the air. I think he's better than I am. And, and he does appear here occasionally and, and hopefully we'll be doing more in the future. 
you've never come across as nepotism hub not once. Uh, I got a couple questions. Could tight Teddy? Will he have an influence on the coaches? He could uh, recruit to be their coordinators. Will his budget be big enough to get who he wants to? And then one time you said you didn't like Pete Carroll, and I always wondered why. And I just love listening to you, Hub. I really do. Uh, so come on more often, you and your son, would you please? Thank you, David. It's very kind of you. Um, you know, listen, the, the the Bears have not failed with players or coaches because of budget. I can't say always with coaches because it depends. Position coaches, that can be a little competitive. But in terms of the, the, the top, you know, the, the well-thought-of coordinators, the, it's not slotted so much, but there's a fairly clear window that they fall into. And I'm sure that one of the conditions on which Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus took these jobs is knowing that they'd have the sufficient budget to be competitive with everybody else in the league. So I don't think getting a really good coaching staff is limited in any way by any budgetary concerns that Ted Phillips would put on them. And I don't think that's ever been a problem with Ted. I, you know, I, I think Ted deserves a lot of heat for a lot of the failures and the football operation that he's been involved in. But, but money is not one of them. Uh, yes, he's an accountant. He's a bean counter. But um, the, the Bears have not, to my knowledge, ever had a problem, at least going back to the last 15, 20 years with what they've paid coaches and players have been paying the right ones, you know, has really been the issue there. So um, uh, I, I don't think that's anything, you know, that you really need to worry about. Guys, I appreciate all the phone calls. We're going to take a lot more calls in a little while. But next up, we've got Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times joining us. Going to take a very quick break here. And when we get back, more talk about the new coach of the Chicago Bears. It's Matt Eberflus. Do you like him? you have questions? Well, we've got answers for you in the next hour and 45 minutes or so right here at The Score. Let me start with a man first. You know, I think that's the most important thing. And uh, just a terrific family man. A ter- terrific loyal coach all the way through it. I mean, the the things he stands for, I think, are are really important, and uh, the discipline and those type of things. As a person, great communicator. Welcome back to the program, everybody. That was former Chicago Bears defensive line coach Rod Marinelli, longtime NFL D-line coach, head coach, defensive coordinator, talking about Matt Eberflus, the new head coach of the Chicago Bears. And here to join me now is the Chicago Bears beat reporter, one of the Chicago Bears beat reporters, I should say, um, for the Chicago Sun-Times, Patrick Finley. And uh, Pat, we haven't gotten a visit in a while. I hope you and the family are all doing great. Got a little time in while the Bears were doing their prolonged search. (laughs) We'll get more time in after the Bears are done. Uh, finding an offensive coordinator, holding a press conference, uh, hiring assistant coaches and whatnot. Uh, but uh, thank you, Hub. It's good to hear from you. Well, I, you know, initial thoughts. I, I know everybody's I, already, I'm getting clobbered on, on Twitter and, and email. You know, how can you even suggest they got it right? I'd like to let the guy coach a little bit before I know that, you know. But, um, I, you know, my, my impressions of the process while it has been somewhat exhaustive both for them and for us to cover, is that they went awfully in-depth. They talked to all the hot names, and they clearly got their guys by being you know, the first or second ones off the schneid. Yeah, they got the guy that Ryan Poles uh, wanted to get. You know, We could have a pretty good conversation about uh, the input that the five-person committee had in lining up all of those needs. And, and you know, I think it's fair to wonder if they tried to nudge him one way or the other. 
But at the end of the day, good for Ryan Poles in, in picking the guy that he wants. I, I tell you, I was probably – I was a little surprised by Eberflus. I think if you would have had me rank the three finalists, he would have been number two behind Dan Quinn. And, you know, I went to bed last night thinking – uh, that Dan Quinn, uh, you know, made a lot of sense for the Bears. Um, I'm not willing to uh, dismiss Eberflus by any stretch. Uh, I want to see who he hires as an offensive coordinator. I want to see the staff that he puts together. But, you know, it, it's interesting. It's the first time the Bears have ever had a first-time GM and a first-time head coach uh, together in the same season before. And I don't think that's the way I would have drawn it up if you would have asked me to make a prediction two and a half weeks ago. You know, Pat, I agree, and and I've been writing about this the last two and a half weeks. That that my main concern was, I I just I couldn't imagine that they would hire a head coach before a GM after telling us that they were changing their football operation, uh, and they didn't. And so I felt better about that. And, and then I was really concerned that that once Poles was was hired, I was hoping that we'd hear he was adding a name or two to the list or, or bringing somebody else in for a second interview, something to clearly put his stamp on it. But then we have to take a step back and realize that every one of the GM candidates who came through came in with a list of head coaching names that they might have been interested in. And so um, there, there's no doubt in my mind that at some point, and the second interview wasn't really an interview. I mean, when George picked them up at the airport, you knew they'd already made up their mind. So, um, you know, when you go back to that first interview, they must have talked about some of these guys. Now, I'm not saying anybody committed to anything, but there had to be a sense before they even brought him back um, that he was interested in at least one, two, if not all three of the second interviews they'd had lined up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this was not an arranged marriage. This was not them hiring Ryan Poles, you know, and putting, you know, and surprising him with Jim Caldwell 30 seconds later and, and forcing him to do an interview. So, yeah, you know, he, in that sense, uh, his preferences certainly had some impact on how they whittled that number down. And, and then he went and got the guy that he wanted. And I'll be really curious whenever the Bears do have their press conference to find out what it was that swayed him, because I think it would have been really easy for a 36-year-old first-time general manager to sit there and say, Dan Quinn's been to a Super Bowl and can put together a pretty good staff. You know, Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell's got uh, a really good NFL head coaching record and a fantastic head coaching record if you take out the one season in which uh, Peyton Manning hurt his neck and didn't play. Um, and you know, I think both of those things would have been really comforting. And somehow he chose Matt Eberflus, uh, whose you know experiences, you know NFL high level experiences, four years as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, you know, Pat, it's interesting, but I guess my devil's advocate to that is that Ryan Poles has a Super Bowl ring too, and, and you know, in addition to what they accomplished. There's also whatever reasons that they failed. I don't know that Jim Caldwell ever failed, to be honest with you. I mean, he, he got fired in Indy in the year that, uh, you know, Peyton Manning, he didn't break his neck. That's what people always say. But he had the neck injury and everything came apart. And then him and Polian were both swept out. It felt like Jimmy Ursay was just ready for a change. And he was wildly successful in Detroit by any standards of any other coach they've had over the last 25 years. And I'm sure the Fords still regret the day they fired him. Um, Dan Quinn, on the other hand, he got to a Super Bowl quick, built a young team, 
but he did have a lot of problems, you know, putting the best staff together and keeping that team together until it ultimately came completely apart, you know, and, and he was fired. I don't want to say in disgrace, but once the thing was completely broken. And so, you know, it may just be that the polls was more concerned about the man and not his record and that Eberflus just interviewed the best. Yeah, it could be. And, you know, certainly when you look at Dan Quinn, um, you know, there are losing streaks in Dan Quinn's career that look a lot like the losing streaks that Matt Nagy had. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that may not weigh heavily on, on Ryan Poles because he wasn't here for that. But uh, I wonder whether others in the building sat there and went a lot of, you know, four five, six game losing streaks. Uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious and I'll be curious to learn about these guys' personalities and what makes them work together. I, I think that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were both similar guys in that, you know, they were energetic, personable um, people who you could understand how they could be friends just out in the real world, even if they never worked together. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how these two personalities go together in the new set of Matt and Ryan. You know, one of the one of the things that troubles me is uh, several sources have told me that um, in spite of the fact that we're told he's not to be involved anymore, that Ted Phillips was a little more involved in this than anybody might expect. Um, and, and again, if they got the right guys, that doesn't really matter. I'm just anxious to see what happens going forward. But on the flip side, many people that I respect were predicting that the final outcome was going to be Morocco Brown and Jim Caldwell. And, and if that had happened... I wouldn't have had a problem with that because I think both are also excellent prospects, but that would have just felt to me like George McCaskey rubber stamping the guy he knew and had worked for him before Morocco Brown and Bill Polian rubber stamping Bill Caldwell. And by them going with the hot young gun in Ryan Poles, who neither of them had any history with, and Matt Eberflus, who, again, you know, I mean, Polian was long gone by the time he got to Indianapolis. It does feel more like, you know, they, they worked the process rather than just, you know, repeating some of the same actions in the case of Polian or mistakes in the case of McCaskey of the past. Yeah, yeah, it, I, I'd agree with that. And, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be really curious to hear, you know, kind of once this is, <laughs> once this is all uh, died down, uh, just the evaluation of, you know, how the Bears did when talking to 13 general managers and 10 head coaches. And in doing so with, you know, Bill Polian, uh, George Ted, um, and, and the other members of the five-person committee there, uh, and it strikes me that running a coaching search and a general manager search concurrently uh, might have been complicated. And uh, I don't know how equipped they were to handle it, but, you know, at the end, and, and this is maybe these maybe this is just you know you follow the bears long enough and, and, and you grow a little cynical, but I am heartened uh, by the fact that you know Matty Verflus was on other teams' lists and at least on the Jaguars' finalist list. Orion Poles was a finalist at two other places, the Giants and the Vikings, and last year was a finalist with the Panthers. These are the Bears. These aren't the Bears going out and seeing what they want to see. These are the Bears, kind of agreeing with the consensus around the league that, that both of these guys are. Are, are special at what they do. Um, and maybe that's the most encouraging thing I can say about this hire is, you know, the Bears thought it was a good idea, but more importantly, other teams around the league thought it was a good idea too. 
So, you know, we really can't know much more until we get to meet these guys. And, and, and I don't know if you saw, but since we've been on the air, we've gotten a, a, a release that says, stay tuned. We're trying to arrange uh, an in-person meeting in the, in the coming days. I kind of thought all along it, it might be tomorrow. I knew it wouldn't be today, but now I'm wondering if it's going to wait until at least Monday. Whenever it is, it is. But, but uh, you know, to me, the big question now, before you can even predict what might happen, is th- they've got two roads to choose, and they're going in opposite directions. And and you look at where Ryan Poles comes from, most of all of his experience actually on the college scouting side until he became the personnel director in Kansas City. You look at the way he built that Chiefs offense really through the draft um, until they redid the offensive line. Um, and, and, and that's the reason they've been successful is that offense and the way they developed Patrick Mahomes. Are they going to try and rebuild now or are they going to reload? Because those are two very different things, you know, and um, I can't wait to hear the answer to the question because, you know, you can you can always rebuild. Anybody can try that. But if they're going to do it, it means tearing it down further, getting worse, losing a lot of games the next couple of years. And, and that is not the atmosphere under which they want to try and build momentum for their new football palace in Arlington Heights. Not to mention that I don't think Bears Nation is going to be all that patient. On the other hand, do they have enough talent here that that reloading or rebooting can make them competitive within the next year or two? (laughs) They are kind of stuck in between, aren't they? You know, Mm -hmm. I I think a full teardown to the studs doesn't make a ton of sense because you've already got Justin Fields' clock going. You know, in theory, you need to know it at the end of 2023, whether he's in good <laughs> and at the end of 2024, whether you want to keep him around and pay him a ton of money, uh, you know, on offense, <laughs> they don't, I mean, Allen Robinson's not going to be there anymore. Uh, their offensive line is, is young. You know, we can talk about whether or not they want to let James Daniels go, uh, but you know, David Montgomery's entering the final year of his contract. I think he's a very good football player, but I don't know what you could get for him. You know, Darnell Mooney, I mean, I don't know what there would be to kind of lop off the top of that offense uh, if you were to decide to rebuild. If anything, I, I would suggest that, you know, building the, building the offensive line in Ryan Poles is a former offensive lineman. You know, building the offensive line around Justin Fields and giving him, you know, a dynamic wide receiver to throw to uh, would make sense. You know, the defensive side of the ball is a different conversation, obviously. You know, you know could you move Mac or Quinn if you wanted to? Uh, if it were me, Hub, I think I'd probably keep them for a year because I think having the Bears single-season sacks leader on one side, Khalil Mack on the other, Roquan Smith in the middle, and a quarterback that you're developing, I think that's a formula to be pretty good if they all hit and if they're all healthy at the same time. Uh, you got to fill in the rest of the roster, and the Bears have got some roster issues. But you know, some of those pieces I, I think are worth hanging on to. I don't know that there will be a fire sale here because – Quite honestly, I don't know if they have a player that could get them a first-round pick. I mean, really. I mean, can you think of one that they that will, that they know for sure won't be part of their next good team that could land them a first-rounder? I, I, I don't know that one comes to mind for me. No, I mean, the only one is Roquan Smith, and with him in the fifth year of his deal, you're not going to get it for him either unless it's you know unless there's a contract that goes with it. And why would you do that? Because then you got to yeah. turn around and use whatever pick you get on another, you you hope, Roquan Smith. I, I just wrote the other day, Pat, that, that if, they, if they were rebuilding, if they dealt Quinn, Mack, Roquan, and Eddie Jackson 
they might get one best case two first round picks and, and probably wouldn't get any. They get a lot of twos and threes, you know. And um, the flip side of that is, you know, there's a lot of people wondering, well, but Matt Eberflus is a 4-3 guy, a Tampa 2 guy. First of all, that's kind of irrelevant in today's NFL because in sub packages, they're all in 40 fronts 60, 70% of the time anyway. But beyond that, Khalil Mack has been an all-pro as a hand-on-the-ground defensive end. That's all Robert Quinn was until this year. They can seamlessly make the switch to a four. And then if you re-sign Bilal Nichols, I think there could be a hidden beast waiting there as a three technique, which he's never been allowed to play. You know what you've got in Roquan. you got Jalen Johnson and Jackson on the back end. With Eberflus, this could be a special defense again this coming year, you know, if you tweak a couple things. And that could be the best security blanket for Justin Fields. Is don't force him to go out and win games. And on the offensive side, I kind of was assuming that you've got to keep Montgomery and Mooney and Komet and Fields, and you build around them, and, and you see what you can make of this offensive line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. I'll be curious to see what direction he wants to go in with an offensive coordinator. If it is something run-based, if it is something, or, you know, with more run in it. Uh, <laughs> although, yeah, I guess Matt Nagy got better about it as the years went on, but there was a time when any offense in the world would have been uh, better about better in running uh, than Matt Nagy was, or at least more eager, eager to. Uh, I'd be curious if they want it. You know, you hear, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Albert Breer today said that they might look at the Shanahan tree. You know, that is, you know, some short passing stuff that, you know, in, in play action that maybe that works for Justin Fields. But, uh, you know, I get back to the fact that I think his biggest strength is his athleticism and his second biggest strength is his ability to throw the deep ball. Uh, so we'll see. You know, there may be some horses for courses uh, available on the free agent market depending on uh, what kind of offense they decide they want to run. You know, it's interesting, Pat. This is just throwing stuff at the wall. But uh, Sean, you know, Sean Hammond, who works with me over at Shaw, we were talking earlier today, and he brought up Jason Garrett. And I kind of poo-pooed it initially. Jason Garrett is the guy who made Dak Prescott. And Dak Prescott brought more challenges than Justin Fields. And he is Matt Eberflus's former boss. And he is on the market. Um, uh, and, and, and the more I think about it, it's not the goofiest thing I ever heard. Um, not my first choice. I'd rather get one of these younger guys off the, the, the McVeigh or the Shanahan tree. And actually, there's a couple guys in Green Bay, you know, in Luke Getze and Adam Stenovich, who people don't know a lot about yet. But their next move is going to be to be offensive coordinators somewhere. Um, Getze probably a better fit with field. Stenovich is more of a run game offensive line guy. Um, but, you know, I, I think that they're going to keep at least one or two coaches off Matt's staff. They always look for the continuity. I wouldn't rule out the possibility of John DeFilippo. Um, so, you know, th- this is really kind of the pivotal point now. I, you know, Matt Eberflus was brought here to be the head coach, and, and what he puts together, particularly on this offensive staff, I think is what's going to dictate any chances of success in the next couple of years. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that Matt Nagy never really had when he was here was somebody was an assistant who had been a head coach before when he, when he walked in, he had Vic Fangio kind of running his side of the building. And, and that was super helpful for a first year head coach. But, you know, really there wasn't a guy short of what Brad Childress, who was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of in an advisory role. Uh, who came who with a really done. goofy reputation, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, but there, there wasn't anybody who had actually kind of, you know, had the crown on his head before, you know, mm-hmm. and, if uh, if Matt Eberflus wants to bring someone like that, and I don't know what you know, Garrett Garrett's obviously a name, but it can be it can be anybody. Uh, I think that that might be beneficial. I think somebody having somebody that he can you know call on the drive home as Matt did with Childress and complain 
<laughs> and, and offer up problems and his frustrations and all of those sorts of things that you do when you're the boss for the first time and you just need to connect with somebody else who's been in your shoes. I, I think that that would be a benefit to the coaching staff. Pat, I appreciate your time tonight. Uh, some of the best news I've gotten this week was talking to the guys at Hallis Hall. When we do get to meet um, uh, Ryan and Matt, it's going to be in person. So, so I will get to see you back at Hallis Hall sometime in the next couple days. And uh, until then, uh, be well and thanks for tonight. And uh, I'm sure we'll all be burning up the phone lines. Hallis Hall in February, huh? Have you ever thought? You ever think you'd see the day? I never thought I'd look forward to it. I know. That. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that, that is an interesting thought. Unfortunately, it's not for Super Bowl time, but hey, it's, it's the next best thing, a, a fresh start. Pat, thank you much. Guys, if you want to read Pat, you have to. He's one of the best guys on the beat, Chicago Sun-Times, chicagosuntimesports.com. We're going to take a very quick break, and then we're going to get back to your phone call. So during this break, dial me up, 312-644-6767. That gets you on the listener line. The score listener line is powered by BetQL bet smarter and beat the books download the betql app today or visit betql.com again 312-644-6767 give me a call i'll be talking back at you in just a moment right here on the score chicago i'm excited to be here ready to get to work bear down that is the new chicago bears general manager ryan poles uh, actually from the Bears website and released on Twitter uh, shortly after his hiring. We are anxious to get to visit with him in person. That will be coming in the next couple days. Also, guys, it's all football all the time here right now because of the news, but let's not cheat our guy, DeMar DeRozan. If you have not heard yet, the Chicago Bulls' new superstar has been voted a starter to the NBA Eastern Conference All-Star team. DeMar DeRozan will be starting in the All-Star game. We'll have a lot more on that uh, later and as the week goes on as well. But a well-earned and tremendous honor for him. Uh, so our congratulations to DeMar DeRozan. Let's get back now to the phone lines. I appreciate everybody dialing in. We're going to go out to Seattle where Cliff is on the line and see what's on his mind. Cliff, how you doing? Hey, thank you, Hub. I'm uh live in Seattle, but I'm a Chicago Bears season ticket holder. We fly back for several games a year. I want to apologize. I'm going to be immensely positive. Um, <laughs> you don't have to apologize to earlier, me for that. All right. Well, earlier today, Dan Bernstein asked the question, how many of you would have predicted this outcome with Eberflus when you knew Matt Nagy was going to be fired mid-year? Well, I put myself in that category because the last several years, the coaches who've been interviewed for other jobs but not hired was a pretty short list because the cupboard is pretty bare. Pretty bare. And um, on that short list was Matt Eberflus, Eric Bieniemy, Brian Dable, Jared Mayo, and that's about it. And so going into the season, let alone the cycle, Matt Eberflus was one of the few who was already vetted by other teams and had gotten interviews with multiple franchises. I think the Bears got it right. They also promised that they would hire a general manager first, and we now know almost for a fact that in each of the coaching interviews, I'm sorry, in each of the GM interviews, they asked what coaches would you be considering working with. And it's not outrageous to think that Matt Eberflus was on the list of several 
of those GM candidates. And my final comment is going to be the Bears like to hire first-time coaches, unless you count Jack Pardee, who coached in the USFL. In the history of the franchise, the only coach they've ever hired with NFL experience was John Fox. So I think the outcome was somewhat predictable, and I hate to admit it, but I think the Bears did it just right. Well, you don't have to hate to admit it for starters, Cliff. I know a lot of people, it's almost like you're not allowed to be positive or feel good about this this team or this organization anymore, and, and that's not right, especially if folks are fans. Uh, I, I think they got the process right. Whether these are the right guys or not, we've got to wait and see and let them coach. Um, but I think one very important point you make in, in, in the in the promo bump going out to the last commercial break we heard a cut from uh from bernsey dan bernstein uh who of course uh does our morning into midday show talking about the fact that matt eberflus has never been a head coach anywhere at any level and and i understand dan's i don't know if it was a concern it sounded like it was in his point but here's the reality that of the four coaches coaching this weekend in the championship games and the four who got to those incredible divisional playoff games last week, including Mike Vrabel and Matt LaFleur, Rich Bisaccia, and um, uh, Sean McDermott, none of those eight guys had ever been a coach, a head coach anywhere at every le- any level before they got their first NFL head coaching job. And only Andy Reid is in his second head coaching job. So the fact that Iberflus has never been a head coach before is, is pretty much irrelevant when it comes to this hiring you know, situation. This is the way it goes uh, around the league. I mean, you know, Nathaniel Hackett's the only other guy who's gotten a job. I'd have to go look, but I know he's never been a head coach in, in, in the NFL or college. I don't think he ever was in high school. That's really far more you know, the, the, the rule than the exception. Um, and as far as everything else Cliff says, uh, you know, I mean, I can't disagree with any of it. I, I feel like they, you know, were exhaustive in their search in terms of the, the names that they interviewed. There was only, there, there's a handful of names that they didn't interview, which disappointed me a little bit. Um, but that's just me. You know, I, I'm not hiring anybody either. You know, So um, uh, that they talked to 13 GM candidates and 10 head coaching candidates and clearly got their guys. And they were a little bit out of the box for them. Not that, you know, they do hire, you know, guys who haven't been head coaches before, as Cliff just said. But but, you know, the easy choice would have been a former head coach and, and said, well, we relied on that a little bit. Or certainly with Bill Polian in the room, if they had hired Jim Call, everybody would have said, sure, that's what he wanted to do do and on the GM side they talked to several guys with strong Bears connections like you know um, uh, you know Morocco Brown and Jeff Ireland and yet they went for this young up-and-comer who everybody around the league seems to love so um, I like what they've done with the process I'm anxious to meet these guys and get to know them a little bit and see some of their work before we can really say much more but that's that's the way this works at this point so let's get to Byron Illinois where Mike is on the line Mike how you doing tonight Good, Hub. Uh, I called you last week about Spielberg or Spielman. Spielman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. going uh, to interview for the GM job, but you know I'm glad that they got uh, offensive-minded uh, GM in polls. Uh, he's he seems like he knows the offensive line and knows how to look in the draft for that, and that's desperately needed for our team. And then now with Elmerfus, uh I think de- defensive. I think he can bring it to the level that uh, uh, Fangio had back in you know four years ago. 
Well, uh, Mike, thanks for the call. I, listen, um, Eberflus is definitely one of the better defensive coaches in the NFL right now. Uh, has done an excellent job in Indianapolis and has not had the level of marquee talent there uh, that the Bears have here, although in DeForest Buckner and, and, and Darius Leonard, he's certainly got two of the best players uh, in, in the NFL. Um, and the Bears do still have enough talent here to be extremely competitive and good on defense right now, you know, and, and his reputation is as a leader of men and a no-nonsense guy and, and, and a guy that players like to play for. So, you know, everything that we know of him from anybody you know, who has experience with him, he comes very highly recommended. So, um, uh, you know, the fact that they went young and new with Ryan Poles as opposed to a, a very experienced guy with a connection to Rick Spielman, I, I kind of feel, as much as I love Rick, and I wouldn't have been disappointed if he'd have been here, I, I, I don't want more of the Bears' old guard in here. Uh, you know, people keep talking about, oh, they, they should get members of the 85 Super Bowl team and do this or do that. Yeah, they should keep them close to the organization and, and, and make them ambassadors and make them happy, uh, you know, to be part of it. But but these guys don't have front office or coaching experience. And so I'm glad they went out of the box and got one of the hot young guns from around the league. Let's get one more in before we have to break. We'll go to Peoria and welcome Chris in. Chris, how you doing? I'm good. How are you tonight, Hub? I'm good, thank you. All right. Well, I have two questions for you, and I'll let you go. Um, you had mentioned before that there might be some holdovers from the current staff for continuity purposes. I'd be curious to hear who you would think that those would be. And then my second question is, as Coach Eberflus moves to fill out his offensive staff, is he just going to – you think he would just select an offensive coordinator – and have that offensive coordinator pick the guys that fit his system, or how heavily you think will he be involved? Well, Chris, uh, you know, it, it is very commonplace that there's at least one or two uh, holdovers, if not more, in almost every new coach hiring from the previous staff for no other reason than continuity uh, and, and to help them understand, you know, the, the players that they're taking over and, and what's going on in the, um, in the locker room. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's a good chance that a couple of the current coaches will stick. Now, because Eberflus um, is, is a defensive coordinator and, and has coached on that side of the ball all of his life, my guess is he's got a lot of his own people that he's worked with um, that, that he may be more comfortable with than any of the existing staff. I, Sean Desai is going to work somewhere. He's a young guy who did a very good job considering his lack of experience and the circumstances he was working under. Um, but for him to be Eberflus's coordinator, I, I kind of tend to doubt that. Um, and then as far as some of the position coaches on that side of the ball, most of them were all new last year anyway. So I, I'm guessing that there may not be any I'm not saying there won't be, but you're asking for my best guess. I'm guessing there may not be any holdover on the defensive side. On the offensive side, though, it would make tremendous sense to at least consider John DiFilippo. So there's no disruption um, with Justin Fields. DiFilippo's had a couple shots at offensive coordinator, and I don't think he'd be the guy for that. Um, again, you know, one of the reasons Eberflus got hired is because he impressed them with his readiness and his ready list. He's already discussed with the Bears and Ryan Poles in his interviews uh, some of the coaches he'd like to bring on board. And by the Bears being, you know, the first ones to get a head coach hired, they're all available. They've got a big leg up on everybody else and putting together the staff he wants. So I think he'll look at that group, though. And, and you know, Mike Furry, even though they've got to rebuild the wide receiver room, has done a good job with what they've given him to work with. 
Um, I think Juan Castillo is probably too much of a veteran and too set in certain ways that that, that would be unlikely. Um, uh, and you got to remember that, that Iberflus's background is in Dallas and in Indianapolis, where they've had two of the best offensive lines in football over the last six, seven, eight years. So I think he'll look outside there, you know, in that regard. But but John Filippo is, is the guy I'd probably mainly keep an eye on. Um, uh, and then I think in the front office, I'd be very surprised if Champ Kelly wasn't retained by uh, uh, by Ryan Poles and maybe even elevated to personnel directors. So those are the guys I'd watch. We're going to take a break here. And guys, on the other side, uh, there was a really good interview today with uh, Rod Marinelli, with, with Danny Parkinson, and Matt Spiegel. We're going to replay that for you in case you missed it because a lot of good information about the Bears' new head coach there. That's coming up next right here at 670 The Score.